The Start On Demand. On demand. It is the Shadow Davis Show with Mackling and McGarry, minus the Mackling. Just Brett McGarry, as Clay said. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Also this morning, Bob Irving is here for Kelly Moore to do sports because Kelly Moore is in for Jeff Courier today from 10 until 1 on 680 CJOB. And then it's Hal Anderson from 1 until 4. I think Hal's the only guy here who is not taking a break. As far as I understand, he's just working straight through almost every day. Although behind the glass, Jerry doesn't take a whole lot of breaks either. You were here on Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas morning, I spent right here in this seat. Well, good for you. Thanks for holding down the fort, Jerry, listening to some of the Christmas tunes. I understand that uh, some of the, it was sort of like old uh, nostalgia kind of Christmas stuff in many cases, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there was some great tunes playing, and then uh, the night before, we were playing the old uh, Christmas versions of radio shows and oh, stuff. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. It was a great time all, all over on 680 CJOB. Need to thank you, by the way, Jerry. You uh, lent me a copy of your film, Robbie the Reindeer, which I did not get to, unfortunately. I feel There's like still I've, time. I feel like I've committed some sort of a Christmas crime by not getting to it. I was going to bring it to my family's uh, for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but I forgot it. It's, it was sitting on my coffee table. So, uh, and then when I got home, I was thinking about watching it, but I, instead I watched the uh, Star Wars trilogy, the original Star oh, Wars episodes trilogy. Episodes four, five, and six? Yeah. The good ones? The good ones. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, th- but I'll try to get to it. So thank you for that. But indeed, it has, as you heard, uh, Clay Young explaining and Adriana Jung explaining the weather this week has been a significant story, not just here in Winnipeg and here in southern Manitoba, where once again, in case you're just tuning in, southern Manitoba, the extreme cold warning does continue. The wind could be the wind chill could be near minus 45 this morning depending on where you are cold particularly cold in western manitoba we are expecting some of those warnings to end this afternoon but that doesn't mean there's going to be relief wind chill could still remain in the minus 30s and then temperature and wind chills should dip again tonight and looking at if you go to weather.gc.ca so that's environment canada's website and click on public alerts you will see that every province in this country has some kind of crazy winter weather happening all the way from british columbia to newfoundland and labrador alberta's got extreme cold warnings saskatchewan extreme cold british columbia has they've got something i've never even heard of there is a weather warning for the north coast and inland sections of British Columbia for something called Arctic outflow. Cold Arctic air continues to spill out to the coast through the coastal mountain passes due to a strong Arctic ridge of high pressure over the BC interior. The combination of cold air and strong outflow wind is producing cold wind chill values between minus 20 and minus 25. And I realize that's nothing for us, but hey, when you... That's pretty cold for B.C. Manitoba, of course, extreme cold. And then uh, further up in northern Manitoba, just looking up in Churchill. Oh, no, yeah, it's extreme cold all the way through. And then further east in Atlantic Canada, they've got Newfoundland, for example. There's wind and blizzard warnings in effect. Uh, Nova Scotia has special weather statements. Ontario, extreme cold. Quebec, the list goes on. It's I don't know that I've ever seen the map 
colored with so much red. So again, weather.gc.ca if you want to see details on that. And you know what? As far as what will the weather look like for the rest of the holidays, Global News meteorologist Anthony Farnell has a look at the forecast for Canada. Coast to coast cold air. What we have is this blocking ridge that goes from Alaska all the way up over the North Pole. It's actually warmer there than it is in many Canadian cities. It's been cold for a couple of days in the prairie provinces, but that is now expanding. Ontario, Quebec, Atlantic Canada feeling some of those extreme temperatures, not just for the next couple of days, but likely right into the new year. This is the upper level setup, and you see that polar vortex, the Arctic air coming down in waves right through January 3rd and even January 4th. And we're gonna see more wind chills like this, minus 30 to minus 40, and this is during the late afternoon hours. Overnight, locally, minus 40 to minus 50 especially through the prairie provinces. And that is why Environment Canada issuing extreme cold warnings from Quebec all the way back to the Rockies in Alberta. This is a widespread cold that doesn't show any sign of letting up soon. Now I'm just looking at my weather, or I'm looking at my AccuWeather app because the weather network crashed on me. I don't really like their app. They changed it a few months back and now it doesn't really work for me. Oh, and you know what? Just as I've said that, of course, AccuWeather is crashing on me too. It won't even load. I was trying to look at the two week, the sort of the long term. Uh, here we go. And now I'm seeing minus 13. Uh, looking, so that's sort of January 5th, minus 13, minus 14, minus 13. So it's going to be cold for the next week or so, but then it should warm up just a touch. Now mentioned the weather in Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia. So about 7,400 homes and businesses still without electricity as of this morning after a big storm. During this storm, wind blew trees into power lines, broke poles, and snapped lines, causing over 150,000 customers to lose their power over the holiday weekend. And then Newfoundland, much of that province under wind or blizzard warnings early today. Winds gusting to 110 kilometers per hour. But it's not just... Us here in Canada, many parts of the United States as well. Power back on in parts of Cleveland where 40,000 people were without electricity for about four hours last night. Cleveland Public Power says a fire substation caused the outage with warnings of sub-zero frigid Arctic air and dangerously cold wind chills. People were doing what they could to stay warm. This man, for example, moved his family into his minivan. It's not ideal. You know, I got my daughter and my wife, she's seven months pregnant so it's just blankets and staying close together until who knows when there's also cold and snow in much of the u.s northeast uh state of emergency remains in effect for erie pennsylvania so crazy weather across north america and uh unfortunately it's going to be cold for a little while i have to remember to run out at some point and start my car and let that run for a few minutes Talking about Boxing Day. Shadow Davis is here to kick off that conversation. Good morning. I've never really been one to risk life and limb, in this case literally, to grab a bargain. I mean, standing in line and fighting a rabid crowd of discount-seeking professionals at 6 a.m. on a holiday in minus 30? Not a chance. (laughs) These people know what they're doing. They know where they're going and nothing will stand in their way. Me? I'm more of a just-looking kind of guy. So can you imagine yourself lining up at 6 a.m. outside of Best Buy in the minus 30, all to save a few dollars? 
Well, that's what happened yesterday morning outside the Best Buy on St. James Street. 100 people waiting, 6 o'clock in the morning. A different breed of individual, I'd have to say. What? Fahid Al-Anini is the manager of that Best Buy, and he said, Nah, I'm not surprised at all. It's part of the culture. They want to line up with their friends and family. That's always been a tradition. Tradition? No, 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 no. Everyone wearing bad Christmas sweaters, that's a tradition. Uncle Frank bringing the Kubasaw from Tenderloin Meats, that's a tradition. Auntie Lorraine getting hammered on Baby Duck Christmas Eve and telling stories about Uncle Harold's teeny tiny. That is a tradition. Standing outside in the minus 30? No. Hey, here's a quote from one of the people in the lineup. Peter Power, he was a shopper. I don't really know what I'm going to buy. I'm just going for the fun, he said. Going for the fun? Don't know what I'm going to buy. I wonder if he managed to get anything in that pack of vultures. Probably run over for his trouble. Fun. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like Black Friday in the States where people actually tackle each other in order to get the last tablet on the shelf. This is more like the shame game because we Canadians aren't as physical unless we're on skates holding a hockey stick. I've heard stories from people who have been holding the last item of whatever only to be shamed into giving it up by somebody handing them a sob story. This is a true story from a friend who went once and only once to an early morning Boxing Day lineup just two years ago. This guy came up to him in the lineup and said, My daughter really wanted that. She's been looking everywhere for it, but it's sold out everywhere. I got up early this morning to maybe find one and surprise her. Everything was gone, but then one of the clerks said the guy who got the last one was still in line for the till. So come on, buddy. How about helping a guy out? My daughter, she's in a wheelchair. Now, you want to talk about no shame? So when my buddy told me that story, I looked him square in the eye and said, you got scammed, man. He did give up the item, whatever it was. I can't remember. Yeah, but the dude said this to me in the lineup. He was almost in tears and everybody could hear it. If I didn't hand it over, those people would have thought I was a... Jackass. Yeah, but who cares? Are you going to see those people again, bud? I can't say this for sure, but I'll bet that item, that very item, was up on Kijiji that morning for triple the price. According to an exclusive Ipsos Read poll for Global News, 52% of people said they'd like to give and receive fewer gifts over the holidays. 24% said these gifts are just useless junk anyway. And another 24% said gift giving in their family is out of control. control And by the way, they were all in line at Best Buy yesterday morning. (laughs) Back to Brett McGarry. Thank you very much, Shadow Davis. For us, it's one of the most important shopping days of the the entire year. Uh, We'll see huge amounts of traffic today. We're usually 80 to 100,000 on Boxing Day, so I think we'll be in that range this year. That is CF Polo Park General Manager Peter Havens saying Boxing Day, still a very big deal. And despite the brutal cold, dozens of people standing in line yesterday morning at the Best Buy over here on St. James and Silver. And I'm sure there were many stores around Winnipeg seeing the very same kind of thing. So today we're having coffee talking about Boxing Day. Did you go Boxing Day shopping? And if you didn't, is there is there something you might actually wait in line for? And Bob Irving is here. Clay Young is here. Kelly Moore is here. And Behind the Glass Jerry is here. Bob, let's start with you because I okay. understand you had a bit of a Boxing Day adventure yesterday. Well, I have an aversion to standing in line, first of all, let me say. And I never go shopping on Boxing Day. Never because of the crowds and everything else. But yesterday, my wife said, there's some great deals on TV out there. 
She said, let's go to Superstore because she saw an ad for TV. So I we went to Superstore. There was nobody there, by the way. I mean, Superstore was virtual. Now, people don't go grocery shopping on Boxing Day, I guess. <laughs> so we didn't buy a TV there. I we went to Shoppers Drug Mart where they also had a sale on TVs. We got a 55-inch TV for $369, which is a pretty good deal. So that's my story. But typically, uh, Brett, uh, no, Boxing Day is not a day where... I would even consider going shopping. There aren't many days that I would consider going shopping in general. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember a few years back when the weather was not nearly this cold. It was mild enough to uh, where you could actually go walk a fair distance and not freeze. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go shopping on Boxing Day because why not? And instead of trying to even come anywhere near Polo Park... I parked on Portage Avenue at Valor and just walked up the block to, to pull a park. And I was so thankful that I did that because I ended up at Future Shop and it was still there. And the people trying to get out of that parking lot, I'm sure we're trying to get out for an hour. It was chaos and gridlock like I've never seen. Mm. And uh, I think the, 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 mm. the big ticket item I needed was a screen, uh, was a tempered glass protector for my cell phone, a screen protector. I saved 20 bucks. <laughs> I, I earned that savings that day. Now, Clay, you were here yesterday. Yeah. What were you seeing outside the window here at 1440 Jack Black? My shift... Yesterday was 10 to 6. So I get to Polo Park, we're right next door, at about 20 to 10. Oh, boy. And I had to drive around looking for a spot. And I'm thinking, this is kind of crazy. But then as the day wore on, around 2 o'clock, I decided, okay, I got a bit of a break. I'm going to just run over there. And it was like you said, gridlock. It was it was insane. Yeah, traffic was not moving. How Everybody it, was piled up. How long did it take you to find a parking spot? Oh, yeah, because I was here about quarter to twenty to ten, about ten minutes. Yeah, right. But I went into the mall, and I I also went to the mall Christmas Eve to check out how busy it was. It was nothing compared to Boxing Day. And I'm walking along, and I said this to Bob. I go, oh, my God, there's my uh, doctor from Brandon, Dr. Sammy. (laughs) I went went up to him, Dr. Sammy, what are you doing here? My wife dragged me to drive into Winnipeg, and that's why I'm here. And then I go, oh, my God, the the CEO of uh, Westman Immigration Service, what are you doing here? My wife dragged me here. (laughs) I had to drive all the way in from Brandon. So, yeah, I can understand what Bob's thinking. We, we, bl- we blame everything on our wives, right? We just do. <laughs> Jerry, you have worked in retail on and off over the years. What kind of things have you seen on Boxing Day? Anything jump to mind? You know you know what? You, you see all the crazy things on Boxing Day. It's nothing that you don't see on American uh, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically our equivalent of that, right? So you do see the crazy people lining up at 6 a.m. to try to get in because so many stores only have, you know, we've got one of these mm-hmm. and we've got two of these and they're incredible deals. And so you need to get there early if you want those actual deals. You know, yesterday I was actually driving by here and noticed that there was a lot of uh, of the reserve spots in this parking lot that were taken up by <laughs> people I know were not here. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. If, yeah, and uh, so I would have been upset if I was one of those people who had a reserve spot who needed to get into work. Yeah, because I remember 
Kelly, uh, a couple of years ago, you guys uh, gave us passes to or access to the underground right. arcade yeah, here. Yeah, because it was uh, it, it was one of those situations Clay just described where if you were if you were here early in the morning, it wasn't bad, but if you were coming in for uh, a midday shift, then yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> That, that was a preemptive strike so that people were voting from the parking lot. I can't come in right now. Yeah. Now, Kelly, yeah. I know you're not much of a shopper, much like no. Bob, uh, but what about, uh, is is there something that you would wait in line for? Not, it doesn't have to be on Boxing Day, just in general. Uh, I don't know. If there was a, st- and again, most, you know, you can do a lot of stuff online as far as trips are concerned about the only thing that would really appeal to me that would make me climb out of my cocoon and wrestle me away from the <laughs> World Junior Tournament would probably be a sweet deal to Mexico. But oh, again, really? I, I could do that online. I just, yeah, I, I remember, because I used to do a lot of on-locations on Boxing Day earlier in my career, especially when I was uh, running the country station back in Kamloops. We always had a Boxing Day on-location, so I usually did those, and it was it was funny standing there and watching everybody just tear through different shelves or race to that uh well, back then it was a 42-inch TV that was the big thing, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe because I've had a wife who worked in retail and daughters who've worked in retail, and I know the pure agony that they go through on Boxing Day. Uh, maybe that has something to do with uh, just not wanting any part of it. But I just, uh, you know, I like to kind of clean up the house after Christmas, and the big hook for me is the World Junior Tournament. That's all I want to watch on Boxing Day. What about concert tickets? Uh, I know you can get oh, I mean, yeah. it's all done online now, but uh, once upon a time, I seem to remember going to, uh, well, the, where I used to go to was Regent Park Pharmacy. You had to, first, you had to go get a wristband, right? Right, yeah. That would have, then that would enable you to get in, on the day of, you'd have yes. to go back to get in line so that you could buy your tickets. And I always felt like that was all kind of a rite of passage. And then when you got your hands on those tickets, you really earned them. Yeah? Did you ever have to stand in line? Right about over there, and I'm pointing towards where the old Winnipeg Arena parking lot used to be. Uh, My daughter and I spent a couple of uh, real cool Saturday mornings waiting, and the group I always remember was the Tragically Hip, Mm -hmm. uh, where we would wait, uh, and and, uh, she would try to, you know, be one of the first in line uh, for when the the, the on-sale started at 10 o'clock in the morning. But yeah, they had the wristbands, and... The whole ball of wax, and it was amazing how many people would wait back then for those tickets. I would stand in line for tickets to Shania Twain. Yes. Big surprise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Or or Burton Cummings, or at a good buffet, I would stand in line at a good buffet (laughs) for for a minute or two. But uh, otherwise, I have an aversion. My wife laughs at me because I get very impatient in lines, and sometimes I will just walk out of them if it looks like it's going to take too long, and it's something that I can wait for. Yeah. You know, if it's a tickets to a concert that you're either going to get or not get, that's different. Yeah. But if you can move away and then come back later, that's what I'll do nine times out of ten. I remember I waited in line for tickets to the Grey Cup for Toronto-Calgary uh, here. 1991. Yeah, I I was waiting. I, I said, I'm gonna, I want to see Rocket Ismail. Of course, I froze my butt off during the game, but I felt so good holding those tickets you got in them. my hand. Yeah, I got them. Yeah, because like Brett, you earned them, eh? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, even now with uh, with movies, not all the theaters, but most of them now, you ha- you can pre-purchase your seats ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Bob, you've seen you go see lots of movies. Yeah. 
You must have stood in line yes. at a movie. No, I was just going to say that. That's one of the things I'd stand in line for, although I, the pre-ordering is, is great. I like that. Uh, but no, I would stand in line for a, a movie that I'm really eager to see. for sure. And I've done that. Yep. Yeah, because it's even right now with uh, the the where they have those Wednesday previews, you know, you get a pass, right. but they give out more passes than there is capacity, right? So you got to get there early, early to earn your spot. I remember earlier this year, Jeff Braun and I both went to see Wonder Woman at uh, I think it was just over here at Polo Park. I got there at five minutes after six. Jeff got there a quarter to six, and we both still ended up sitting in the the fourth row in that front section because oh. people had been there for, I don't know, since 5 o'clock, I guess. So I have a question. I can get Wonder Woman on video on demand. Should I watch it, Brett McGarry? Would you recommend that I watch Wonder Woman? You liked it, didn't you? I like it. Jerry's okay. nodding his head. Absolutely. Okay. It's a okay. great movie. I'm yeah. on it. I'm Wonder, on it. Wonder Woman yeah. was fantastic. I so don't like new... standing in line, but I'll lie on my couch and watch <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> on that new 55-inch color TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bob Irving, Clay Young, Kelly Moore, and Bob Behind the glass, Jerry having coffee, talking about Boxing Day. If you happen to be out shopping yesterday and have a story to tell, shoot me a text, 204-780-6868. The city announcing it's going to review its practices on free two-hour downtown parking on Saturdays and will not enforce tickets for the time being. I went downtown two Saturdays ago, December 16th, to go to Toad Hall Toys on Arthur Street. And I couldn't remember if I had to pay. It had been a while since I'd been downtown on a Saturday during the day. But there was the sticker on the meter, complimentary two-hour parking on Saturdays. So I didn't pay. I didn't get a ticket, thankfully. Uh, so good for the city for reviewing this confusing policy because the stickers don't say free parking after you pay for the first two hours. Dean texted us at 204-780-6868 just a moment ago saying, absolutely astounding. I have never in my life in all the cities that I have lived in seen a policy with parking that included pay for two hours first and then get two hours free. You would think that they would think they are a two-for-one retail outlet having a sale. So, Dean, thank you very much for that. And Shadow Davis will plug the meter on this very topic coming up at 745 on 680 CJOB. Christmas is over, and I don't know how quickly you like to get rid of your decorations for the season, but if you are ready to pack it up, pack it in, and you've got a real tree, the city of Winnipeg has something for you to help you out. It's the Let's Chip In Christmas Tree Recycling Program, and it is back. Mark Kinsley is the Supervisor of Waste Diversion for the city of Winnipeg. He joins us now on 680 CJOB. Mr. Kinsley, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays to you, and thank you very much for joining us once again. And uh, I know we we spoke to you recently about what can go in the recycle bin and what should go in the trash as far as wrapping paper and stuff is concerned. As far as trees go, why should we recycle our real Christmas tree rather than just tossing it in the trash? You know what? It's the same concept as the recycling. Um, It's just all things so that we can uh, limit what we're putting into the landfill. So that that catchy uh, term, waste aversion. Uh, anything that we can limit going in there, uh, just save space. Um, it's good for the environment. And we can repurpose all this stuff. So when you take your tree to our depots, um, we chip it up. And then you can come get the mulch after and, and use it for a wide variety of, 
of things. Well, we can come back and get some mulch. How does that work? Do we have to wait until after the program is finished on January 31st? No, it's it's actually a random um, period um, where first come, first serve. You just have to bring your own container. Um, I will say that uh, they are not available at our four Winnipeg Depot locations uh, that you can also take your trees. But uh, for all the other depots, the community depots that are um, um, conveniently located all throughout the city, yeah, you bring your own container. Um, we ask that uh, people be... Um, you know, fair in, in the amount they take and, and uh, so that everybody can have a chance to take some. But if they're there and um, they're, they work great for um, tree beds, um, for natural herbicide and uh, moisture barrier, but they don't work well for flower beds. There's uh, too much uh, acidity within the needles. So I'm hopefully everybody at- has a chance to get out, get, get out to them. I'm looking at the the list of the depots that you have, which of which you do have many, and I see that uh, some of these locations have rather long hours, including 24-hour access. How does that work with a 24-hour location? Well, um, basically, the, the only ones that don't have 24 are the parks and then the four-hour Winnipeg depots. Uh, the other ones, um, just if you want, if you feel like going at uh, four in the morning, go for it. Be safe, uh, but. Uh, yeah, they're just they're open uh, with with no gates or anything like that. So use caution, and um, hopefully everybody can uh, can use the program. And and um, you know we divert as many trees as we possibly can. It'd be nice to set a new record. Well, how many trees were recycled last year? You know, it was only actually uh, just under ten thousand. Um, it was a bit of a down year, so I'm really hoping that uh, we can see that. I'd love to see it double, but, um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Now, was last year down because more trees ended up, or did more trees end up at the dump? Well, that's a really good question. Um, People do a a few things with them, I guess. Um, That's one theory. Um, The other is people, uh, now that we've had our uh, curbside yard waste for a while, uh, people have saved them. Um, and actually um, waited to put them out for for that period of time. Um, people, you know, cut them up, put them in the garbage. So yeah, most likely that that can happen. But um, yeah, we're really hoping people, um, you know, become more aware of, of our our depots and are able to to go that route um, again to keep it out of the landfill. It um, is is the best uh, best way to do things. I'm just looking at your list here. It looks like the record year was 2000, 2001, where you had 19,640 trees, a total of 360,000 trees recycled since 1991. Now, you referenced curbside, uh, the yard waste pickup. So is that actually uh, like a legit option where if I either don't want to take my tree or I simply can't, maybe I, you know, my, my, my vehicle's broken down. I don't know what I can't, I, I don't have the means to bring it to a depot. Is there an option for curbside pickup? If you're willing to wait, right. Cause, cause we know that that's a, a seasonal program and it starts weather permitting end of April around that time. Uh, you're more than welcome to, to do it that way. Um, that diverts it as well away from the landfill that goes into our uh, composting program. Um, 
the other option that we tell people that there's um, a few organizations out there uh, that for a nominal fee can pick it up for you. Um, other than that, um, yeah, going into the, the wayside is, I guess, an option. But um, again, we're hoping that people can use these uh, diversion programs um, so that they're they're staying out of the ground. Okay, and can I request large item pickup for a Christmas tree? No, that is not covered under that uh, under that program, unfortunately. Okay, uh, where do I where can I go on your website uh, to get the list of the depots, Mark? So Winnipeg.ca, and the easiest thing is if you look uh, near the top on the residence tab, and then um, let's bring up a page, and in both the middle on the Closer to the left, you'll see the garbage and recycling uh, uh, tab. And then uh, you navigate your way through and look for the Let's Chip In program. Mark Kinsley, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the, the time and the access. My pleasure. Take care, everybody. All right. Mark Kinsley is the supervisor of waste diversion for the city of Winnipeg. And he referenced uh, for a small fee, uh, some organizations could come pick up the tree for you. One such organization is S Scope Inc. This is a nonprofit organization in Winnipeg. They will pick up your Christmas tree and take it to a depot. You can go to S Scope or you contact them at 204 987 6300. Once again, that's 987 6300. The Let's Chip In Christmas Tree Recycling Program is underway in the city of Winnipeg in case you're already itching to get rid of that tree. must mean we're going to talk about movies. Thank you very much for playing that, Jerry. Love hearing that. I also love hearing Clay Young do during a newscast. Yeah, that's right. Got to turn your microphone off. Oh, no. Did that actually make it to air? No, no. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, the Clay man. He's one of a kind. We got, we love have him around here. Thank you very much, Clay. Always enjoy the levity. And we also need to tell you that Shadow Davis is going to join us at 745. He wants to, or around 745, he wants to weigh in on this business about, first of all, the parking meters, parking on Saturday, complimentary parking for two hours after you pay for the maximum. So he's going to weigh in on that. And he's also going to talk about speed zone enforcement in school zones on Christmas Day, which, yes, Christmas Day was a weekday, and the bylaw, the law is in place for weekdays, 30 kilometers an hour during, a, during school hours, Monday to Friday, but really on Christmas Day, come on. So we'll hear that in a few minutes. Now, right now, you heard the music, want to talk about movies on Friday I told you about eight movies that were new or that were debuting. Well, it turns out I missed a couple, as if eight eight new movies to pick from wasn't enough. The eight to choose from, so last Wednesday saw the opening of Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and The Greatest Showman. 
So Jumanji stars The Rock, and The Greatest Showman stars Hugh Jackman. These six movies opened on Friday, The Shape of Water, Pitch Perfect 3, Darkest Hour, Father Figures, Downsizing, and then at Cinematex they were, debu- or Cinematech, they were debuting a movie called The Little Hours, and then there was a handful of Christmas movies playing at Cineplex Odeon, McGilvery Cinemas, and VIP. Well, there were two more films that opened on Christmas Day, which I forgot about. The first one is All the Money in the World. My former father-in-law only buys the best. It's time for you to do whatever it is he pays you to do. Let's hope you're half as good as everything else he's bought. We need to pay the ransom, Mr. Getty. I do not have the money to spare. No one has ever been richer than you are at this moment. What would it take for you to feel secure? More. More. From director Ridley Scott, All the Money in the World is based on the true story about the kidnapping of 16-year-old John Paul Getty III and his mother's plea to get his billionaire grandfather to pay the ransom. More famously, though, This is the movie where Christopher Plummer replaced Kevin Spacey in the role of oil tycoon J. Paul Getty after allegations made against Spacey regarding sexual harassment. That announcement was made in early November. By late November, there was already a new trailer for this film. He was recast in the role of Christopher Plummer, and the scenes were reshot immediately. And from what I've read, Plummer gives an amazing performance, which is no surprise. The Canadian actor is one of the best. The movie co-stars Michelle Williams, also an excellent actor, and Mark Wahlberg. I didn't hire an ex-CIA officer just to pay people off. I hired you to do things that other people can't or won't do. No! Now, the second movie that debuted on Christmas Day is Molly's Game, starring Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba from writer-director Aaron Sorkin. It's based on the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game for a decade before being arrested in the middle of the night by 17 FBI agents wielding automatic weapons. Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. So once again, those are two movies that open on Christmas Day. So in the last week, you have 10 new films to, <laughs> to pick from. and But in spite of all that, in spite of all the new films that are available, the weekend box office was won by what else? Star Wars. Kylo Fendi. I won't. It hauled in $71.5 million for Friday to Sunday, which is huge for a second weekend, although by comparison, not nearly as impressive as Star Wars The Force Awakens. But I mean, it's not even fair really to compare the two because The Force Awakens had such a huge demand. It was really a cultural reawakening for that film. The demand for that was just, it was a true pop culture phenomenon. It's second weekend. It made $149 million in its second weekend. Never mind its first weekend. Most movies would be 
over the moon to have that kind of a total for uh, first weekend. And uh, so far to date, The Last Jedi has made, I'm just pulling up its full box office to date, it is at $395 million domestically and $791 million for its worldwide total. That is quite impressive. the Shadow Davis Show, and Shadow Davis is here to talk about what is happening with the city and their parking situation downtown on Saturdays, as well as why is there mobile photo enforcement in school zones on Christmas Day? Good morning. We have an issue with downtown parking. Again, the city of Winnipeg says they'll review the practice of ticketing vehicles parked downtown on Saturdays, and while they're doing that, they won't be enforcing tickets. The city says it'll either cancel or refund the tickets issued to people between December 2nd and December 23rd. In a release, the city says they won't be issuing tickets within the first two hours for downtown on-street parking between 8 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on Saturdays, and anyone who got a ticket is asked to contact 311. They don't say how long this review will take, but knowing the city, I'd say a year (laughs) would be a good guideline. So, how did this ball get rolling again, anyhow? Well, on Saturday, Winnipegger Kaylee Martin spotted a number of vehicles getting tickets in a zone she thought was free parking. And she pointed to the sticker on the meter that clearly states, two hours of free parking on Saturdays. Good enough for you? She said that bright blue sticker to me almost trumps anything because it says two hours of complimentary parking on Saturday. And what could be clearer than that? Good point, Kaylee. So the story hit Global News, and coincidentally, that's right about the time the city issued their press release. (laughs) They said they do offer free parking for two hours on Saturdays, but that's only after the maximum on-street paid parking time is purchased. Oh, okay. (laughs) The city also said the policy was approved in 2012, but only recently was reflected on the city's website. Earlier this year, they say, the city says, it was brought to the Winnipeg Parking Authority's attention that some members of the public found the information related to the program unclear. And as a result, we have updated our website. It's acknowledged that the wording contained on both the stickers affixed to the downtown pay stations and the updated information on the website led to further confusion. It took them five years to update their website. Are you kidding me? So now, more confusion because the city can't seem to get their story straight and not everybody is going to hear this, right? No, 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 no. There's one thing I can't stand. It's waffling, wishy-washy crapola because it comes off as a scam, don't you think? Here's another beauty, by the way. You may know this already, but Christmas morning, photo radar was out in school zones. Technically, the signs say Monday to Friday from September to June, 7 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., 30 kilometers. And I get that. But if the whole purpose of this bylaw is to protect children from speeding drivers and the schools are closed, why is the city paying double time to these people in the white vans on Christmas morning when all the kids are at home unwrapping presents? Smacks of another scam, doesn't it? It says to us, yeah, yeah, never mind the kids, we want your money. By the way, the white vans will be out in the school zones every day during Christmas break, so watch out. And a message to the city of Winnipeg. If your bylaws make sense and they're clear and we, the people of Winnipeg, are in violation, we won't mind paying the fines. 
will understand we were wrong and will cough up the money. However, if you come across as predatory or indecisive and weak-kneed, the respect factor goes into the toilet. Because we expect scams from online and on-street hustlers, not the people we elect to run our city. So you need to do better, guys. You need to do better. So how about this? A 2018 New Year's resolution from the city of Winnipeg to the people of Winnipeg that promises to pull their heads out of their asses. <laughs> Back to Brett McGarry. Thank you very much, Shadow Davis. Indeed, just Brett McGarry this morning. Mackling is off until 2018, so enjoy your remaining holidays, Mr. Greg Mackling, and hopefully uh, to you listening to this radio station, you hopefully you didn't get nabbed for driving through a school zone doing above the posted speed limit on either Christmas Day or Boxing Day. Speaking of Boxing Day, we discussed Boxing Day earlier this morning, and the growth in online shopping did not deter Winnipeggers from hitting the mall for Boxing Day. In fact, some say they waited in the freezing cold and long lines wearing many layers just to be a part of the holiday tradition. Global's Kevin Hirschfield has more. It's cold. It's what does not kill you makes you stronger, right people? <laughs> Shoppers looking for Boxing Day bargains had to battle with more than just long lineups at 6 a.m. They had to brave the bone-chilling temperatures. Of all the weather I've had so far in Winnipeg, I'd say this is one of the cold. Even with wind chill values dipping below minus 40, it wasn't stopping these frigid folks. Usually I buy it online, but yesterday everything got sold online, so I have to come here. I don't really yes, think of anything I really want to buy it here, but uh, I'm just going to go for the, uh, just for the, the fun. And once the doors opened... I survived! The fun began. Over at CF Polo Park, more of the same eager shoppers looking for deals. Now, despite the emergence of online shopping and with some sales lasting for up to a week, stores and shopping centers still say that Boxing Day remains king. That is Global's Kevin Hirschfield, CF Polo Park General Manager Peter Havens says Boxing Day is a big deal. For us, it's one of the most important shopping days of the entire year. Uh, we'll see huge amounts of traffic today. We're usually 80 to 100,000 on Boxing Day, so I think we'll be in that range this year. And here's Best Buy store manager Fahad Alani. It's part of the culture and they want to line up, right, with their friends and uh, family. Uh, so yeah, that's always been a tradition. Chuck Davidson, president of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, spoke with Global's Clay Young. I'm not sure if it's a Winnipeg-only thing. It really becomes more of an event in terms of what people do on Boxing Day. And it's part of that ritual that a lot of people have is they want to go and find those great deals. Typically, you're looking at home electronics and the larger product. Uh, those are the stores that typically have the big Boxing Day sales. He says many people consider shopping on Boxing Day an adventure. For a lot of people, it's just the fun of, of being a part of it. That's a great thing for retail. It's a great thing for local economy as well. Is it something that we're going to see continue? You're always a little worried with the increase in online shopping, but it does seem to be more than just going to find that good deal. It's, it's really about getting out that day and, and making an entire event of it. He also says, while Boxing Day is still the king of the castle, Black Friday is 
gaining momentum, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, the good thing that they're doing is it's really a U.S. Uh, retail shopping day, but I think Canadian retailers have come to that conclusion that rather than simply allowing Winnipeggers to head down south to Grand Forks and the Fargos and do their shopping there, let's compete head-on with them. That is Chuck Davidson, president of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, talking about another busy boxing day in the city of Winnipeg. Clay Young was working yesterday here at 680 CJOB. He says by the time he got here, his shift was from 10 to 6, and when he got here at about 20 to 10, there it took him 10 minutes, maybe 15, to find a parking spot. It was busy, busy, despite the cold. One, two, three... Time now for three things with not Shanalee Vidal. Shanalee is off today, which means it's three things with behind the glass. Jerry. That's right. What do you got for us? Well, uh, the first thing we've got is, uh, well, we've got three things that you may have missed over your Christmas holidays. Three stories that are kind of out there, but you might not have actually picked up on. Okay. So the first one is the eight-hour flight to nowhere. Oh, no. That's right. The eight-hour flight to nowhere. Model Chrissy Teigen was a, at, was along with her husband, uh, singer John Legend, on their way to Tokyo when they ended up right where they started eight hours later. Oh, God. She tweeted about surviving her flight to nowhere Tuesday night after all Nippon Airways Flight 175 made a sudden U-turn four hours into its flight to Tokyo and headed right back to Los Angeles due to what the airline is calling an administrative mix-up administrative mix-up. That's right. The cabin crew notified the pilot that one of the passengers boarded the flight incorrectly, and the pilot in command made the decision to return to the originating airport, the airline said in a statement. An investigation is underway uh, to determine how the passenger actually boarded the flight. I mean, you know how how hard it is to board a flight, even yeah. when you do have your boarding pass. So how did the wrong passenger get on this flight? That's frustrating, and that's got to be so frustrating for those passengers because uh, for, well, four hours each way for to get nowhere really stinks because it's about a 12-hour flight, 11, 12 hours to fly from uh, Los Angeles to Tokyo. So that's... Not good. No. Uh, the, the airline says they take great pride in providing exemplary customer service, and on this flight, we failed to do so. No kidding. Tegan, uh, who was aboard the flight with her husband, uh, John Legend, tweeted the details of her ordeal. Uh, as it unfolded, she says, A flying first for me, four hours into an 11-hour flight, and we're turning around because we have a passenger who isn't supposed to be on this plane. Why? Why don't we all just go back? I don't know. And then she says uh, uh, they put their plane in a secure area once it got back to Los Angeles and they were all questioned by authorities. Okay. Really? <laughs> Why well, do they have to be questioned? Exactly. Questions for? What's, the, what's the point of this? She, she says by early Wednesday, uh, she, was, she had sent a series of tweets about her incident and she later tweeted that uh, they were on another flight on their way to Tokyo. Well, good. Hopefully, they, hopefully the airline, so airline probably spent a lot of money on uh, or lost a lot of money doing that mistake. So Absolutely. And for one person, why wouldn't they just go all the way to Tokyo and then not let that one person leave the plane? And so the other 233 passengers could get to where they were going. I wonder what the legality is on that. Where are they more likely to lose money in the event of a lawsuit? Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, so number two. Okay. Tesla is going to be making 
a pickup truck. Really? Yes. Elon Musk has pledged to make the pickup truck as part of his future plans for Tesla. He made the promise on Twitter after asking his followers for suggestions about how the company could improve. Okay. <laughs> you just want to ask anybody how you can improve your company? That's not a very good business plan as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, he promises they will make the pickup truck right after they make the Model Y. He says he's had the core design and engineering elements in mind for about five years, and he's dying to build this. He says the vehicle will likely be slightly bigger than Ford's F-150, and it will contain an unspecified game-changing feature. Okay. All right. So uh, he's saying after... They released the Model Y, which they haven't even released any plans on to date either. So it could be, you know, 20, 30 years in, in the future. <laughs> Who knows? We don't even know what the Model Y is going to be yet. And he's saying he's going to do this after the Model Y. Mm. Uh, he also made other promises uh, about features Tesla intends to put into their existing vehicles, uh, including uh, windshield wipers that automatically change speed based on how much rain is coming down. Oh, that's... Well, it's not really a game changer, though, because uh, Volkswagen, Volvo, and Mazda already offer that. Oh, well, I didn't even know that was a feature that you could get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, he says there's going to be vastly better maps and uh, nav uh, systems in okay. them. Um, revamped web browser for his cars uh, and their touch screens, which experts have described his current ones as completely unusable. Okay. So that's a good thing. Mm. And... He's going to implement a disco mode for the vehicle's interior lights so that they'll flash to the beat of the music you're listening to. Which Wouldn't that be is distracting? Everybody wants that when they're driving. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds really <laughs> distracting. I don't know about that. Yay, Elon Musk. This is what you get when you ask people on Twitter for things that will make your company better. For suggestions? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so then number three is... A $284 billion power bill. Oh! Yeah, I mean, we all hate opening up our electric bill, uh, you know, at the end of the month because it's always more than you think it should be. Yeah. But when a Pennsylvania woman uh, opened hers, she said her eyes just about popped out of her head when she saw the electrical bill that was $284 billion. This was sent to a woman, not some, <laughs> yes. not, not a country. Just, just a woman in her house in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> she, okay. she says that she just put up the Christmas lights and wondered, well, maybe I put them up wrong. Maybe it's using too much electricity. Oh, boy. Yeah, people on the internet uh, were trying to figure out exactly what this would equate to. Um, and people are saying that it's about the same as uh, the gross domestic product of a small country. In fact, it's the exact gross domestic product of Chile. So, wow. So she was going to have to pay Chile's gross domestic product for her electric bill. But fortunately, uh, it was just a mistake. And they have reversed that. Uh, it was supposed to be $284. Oh. <laughs> so they were off just a little bit on the, uh, the the decimal points. Exactly. And the woman does say that uh, it is still about $100 more than she's used to. But when, you know, when you're initially given a $284 billion bill and it's down now to $284... Not such a big deal, is it? No, that's not too bad after Which all. makes you wonder. Maybe <laughs> this is uh, some kind of a ploy that the electric company is uh, is employing here. Say, oh, well, if we tell them it's going to be this many billion dollars, and then we say, oh, no, sorry, it's only $284, maybe they won't complain about the fact that it's $100 more than it usually is. Oh, what do they call that? They're, that's a selling technique, actually. Not foot in the door. Is it door in the face? 
This is a legit selling method where where someone will come like where someone will come at you really hard and say you wanna uh, you wanna or or like uh, people might on the street might use it and say hey you got fifty bucks that you can you can give me right. no well how about one dollar because one dollar <laughs> so doesn't seem better. like 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 all that much compared to fifty bucks right yeah yeah that's interesting okay mm. thank you very much Jerry you're welcome that's three things three things you may have missed over the Christmas break are you playing the Superman music for yourself it's my extra music thank you. The Last Son of Krypton. Producing the Shadow Davis Show with Mackling and McGarry minus the Mackling on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry of Mackling and McGarry on the Shadow Davis Show. Greg is away until 2018. 2018, of course, coming up just around the corner, which means the new year. And with the new year, comes for a lot of us, New Year's resolutions. Making a resolution means committing to change. And that can be tough. So to talk about this, we're joined by one of our friends from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba. Dr. Joanne Unger is a registered clinical psychologist, and she is in studio with us this morning on 680 CJOB. And Dr. Unger, before we get into the resolutions, uh, you pointed something out. You caught three things with Behind the Glass Jerry. He was talking about that $284 billion hydro bill that someone in, was it Erie, Pennsylvania? Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, he suggested that maybe it was a tactic that the hydro company was saying, well, maybe a $284 bill won't be so bad after that. And I thought, I kind of was bumbling and stumbling out loud. Is that, what do they call that? Is that the foot in the door? No, that's the door in the face technique. Yeah, I think you got it right. And I think I learned it from psychology. Yes, I think you did. (laughs) (laughs) Why would that be, would I have learned that in psychology? It's a psychological principle. So psychology is about how uh, people's thinking and behavior um, affects Thinking, thoughts, feelings, behavior, how they interact with each other. So salespeople use psychological principles in order to sell you things and get you to adapt to their behavior. Absolutely. Okay. I was always a terrible salesperson. I remember getting doing the interview for a retail shop somewhere in Kildonan Place Mall. And I think one of the, the go-to ones they would do is, you know, already they'd, they'd hand me a pen and sell me this pen. And I, ugh, no. I might as well just get up and walk away. Yeah, I can't do it either. So, New Year's resolutions. The first thing I want to know is why do so many of us fail at New Year's resolutions? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. One, I think, um, you know, sometimes we make a resolution in response to things that we feel we should do or that society says we should do it, or maybe our family or friends say we should do it, and the internal motivation really isn't there to make the change, but we think, oh, it's New Year's, I should make a resolution, and it should be this because everyone tells me I should do it. Um, And then we go through, I liked your intro before about how when we set a resolution um, and then we fail at it, then we feel like the failure, or we feel guilt, or we feel bad about ourselves, and it kind of impedes our ability to make change in the future. And so it's really important if we're going to make change to think about why we're doing it, if we really want to do it, and to make specific plans about how to do it, and also small steps um, in, the, in that direction. So um, 
New Year's is, a, is sometimes a really nice time where people take stock. It's a nice time of year where people go, hmm, how do I want to live the next year? How do I want to make this kind of change? And that can be a useful conversation, but it can't just be that. So you can't just say, well, I'm going to now exercise five days a week when before I had been doing nothing, right? That's not a realistic goal um, to start at that kind of level. So, you know, change can happen at any time of the year. It doesn't have to be New Year's. Um, sometimes people use that, and so that can be a good thing. But you really need to think about a number of ways that you're going to make change and make that successful for yourself. Do you think it's bad to make a resolution just because it's a new year? Yeah, that's not enough reason because what's going to happen is you will set yourself up to failure, right? So, And that perpetuates not making the change. So one of the biggest um, things that I encourage people to do is take really small steps. So if you want to make a resolution this year, think about what's an area of your life that you really want to change in, that you feel passionate about, that you feel motivated, that it comes from yourself and you really want to do it. Um, and then set some steps towards that goal. So if it is exercising five days a week, um, don't start there from nothing, right? Don't think next week I'm going to do five days a week. That's not realistic. Change takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, um, and we underestimate that. We think that we can just make a resolution and that's enough, and it's not. Um, so we have to have that internal motivation, and then we need to make planning and steps to make that happen. So what you want to think about is what can I realistically do and succeed? Because that success perpetuates change and helps you feel confident. It helps you feel good about yourself rather than having a – often when I tell people when I work with them and they're setting goals and they come back and they haven't been able to achieve it, I say the problem is the goal. The problem is the expectation. You've set the bar too high for right now in your life. Change the goal and keep going. So make it small. So the first step, for example, for the couch potato who wants to work out five days a week is what do you like to do for exercise? Find something you enjoy. Make sure it's motivating to go. Don't find something you hate. Um, find people around you who can support you. Maybe there's someone else who has a similar goal and you can join a class, right? Find, find a class that you can join once a week. And once you've done that for a while, then you build and you make it slow and you work towards. So five days a week would be what I would call a long-term goal. You shouldn't expect that in one week. So what you do is you set steps, you break that down, as to as many small micro steps as you can. And then as you achieve, that success builds your confidence and it builds your motivation, and then you're able to achieve it. Dr. Joanne Unger is our guest. She is a registered clinical psychologist with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. She mentioned uh, Couch Potato. Uh, speaking of Couch Potatoes, uh, you can download the Couch Potatoes podcast, by the way, for top TV <laughs> shows of, tw of 2017 at Google Play or on iTunes, as well as our top movies of the year. I forgot to mention that earlier. And we're talking New Year's resolutions with Clinic Psychology. Dr. Joanne Unger is a registered clinical psychologist and how sometimes New Year's resolutions can be very difficult. And one of the ones that we have been sort of referring to is exercising and trying to stay fit. And Dr. Unger, I know that uh, when I used to go to the gym, there would always be sort of this influx of 
new people in the new year. I'd, I'd go to the gym and all the machines would be filled up with people I'd never seen before. And sure enough, within two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, they'd all be gone. And um, I, for on, on one and on one hand, I thought, well, good, because now there's more room at the gym. <laughs> but in hindsight, I sort of feel bad about that yeah. because they they were trying and they they didn't quite get there. So why do you think that that one in particular seems to be a huge roadblock for people? Well, the example I was using before, I think probably because people make too big a jump. Yeah, They try to make too big a change at one time, and um, they think, you know, it could be a couple of things, that lack of, uh, you know, internal motivation as opposed to feeling pressure to make that change, um, making it too big so it's hard to sustain, right? If they're come, they hadn't been to the gym before and now they're trying to go three days a week, that makes a big change in their life, um, and that's hard to do. People really underestimate the amount of energy change makes, and if you make it slowly and in small steps, it really is much more manageable. Um, And I think sometimes we think it's going to be easy, so we think, well, I'll just make this resolution, I'll just do it, and then we just kind of try to force ourselves to do it and realize that sometimes it takes quite a bit of effort and and, um, hard work. And so some of the things uh, when people are making change with me, I encourage them to do is you know, make first, it's make realistic and small steps towards your goal. And once you've done that, try to do it even if you don't feel like it. So sometimes people want to feel like doing the thing that they're trying to do before they do it, and that feeling doesn't come. So what we have to remember is that sometimes that change is going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of effort, and our feelings about it will change after we start engaging in the behavior. So sometimes I encourage people, you know, go for five minutes if you don't like it. Um, then stop. But that it's often that initiation that takes a lot of effort to do. So if going to a gym, you know, you got to get all dressed up and get your bag together and that that is the biggest effort piece, is there something you can do at home? So trying to problem solve what are the biggest obstacles to achieving your goal and how you're going to get around them. It really takes quite a bit of planning to make change. And I think that sometimes people don't think about that part. They just make the resolution and they think it's just going to happen. But it really think it really takes knowing yourself, knowing what the obstacles are going to be for you, making them small steps, doing it even if you don't feel like it, as that that feeling will come after. We often the, the easiest part to change is our behavior. Feelings are harder to change. So working on changing that behavior if we really are motivated to do it. Another thing that we get stuck on is beating ourselves up mm. and that self-criticism voice that kind of goes on and on in our heads. So I really encourage people to make change based out of self-compassion rather than self-hatred. So if you hate a part of yourself or you really dislike this part of yourself, and we all have pieces like that, but to really try to foster the idea that, you know, I want to take care of myself because I care about myself, not because I want to beat myself into submission. That that sense of self-caring is a much healthier place to make change from than trying to beat myself into whatever change I want to do. So when I stand in front of the mirror and say, you look pregnant, you fatso, I shouldn't uh, say that to myself? It's probably not the best idea in terms of your, you know, we want to think of physical health and mental health going together. Those are both parts of ourselves. Um, But you can look at yourself and say, man, I wish for you to be healthy and happy, right? I I want good things for you. Yeah. And so I'll make that change because I want good things for you. You mentioned that uh, we're just going to tell ourselves, I'm just going to do it. Why is it that some people actually can just do it 
and others really struggle with it. Like, for example, quitting smoking. Some people can just snap their fingers and say, I'm done. And others uh, have a really hard time with it, bordering on the impossible. There's lots of factors for that. Some of that is personality, right, in terms of personality strengths um, and and things that people have um, internally that, that they're just naturally able to do those kinds of things. Some of it is things that we don't see. So maybe they're snapping their fingers and they're doing it, but they've been thinking about it for a really, really, really long time. Okay. Um, and some of I think a lot of it probably is motivation. So there's a model of um, change that's called the stage, stages of change. And so you have different levels at which um, a person is at in terms of their motivation to make that change. So you have someone who's pre-contemplative, which means they're not even thinking about making a change about reason the example of smoking. Someone who's contemplative, they're thinking about it. Now, if they make a resolution when they're just kind of thinking about the change, they're not quite sure, they haven't weighed the pros and cons, they're not like really sold on the idea, then that resolution isn't going to work because they're really, really internally ambivalent about making that change. And then you have the, oh, I'm going to forget, pre-contemplative, contemplative. And then you have the preparation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write this one now. You have the preparation stage. And this is where you start to make plans. And that's kind of what we're talking about, making plans to make the change. So what do you have to get ready? You know, you got to get that gym membership or you're going to join that smoking cessation group or you're going to have another way that you're going to cope when you feel like you're having a craving. You, you're, you're setting yourself up. And then you're in the action phase, and that's when you actually put the put the change into action. So a person who does that cold turkey may have actually gone through all that process already. We just don't know about it. Yeah, but uh, just over 60 seconds left. Just in general, you've talked about how much work change can be. Why is change, or why can change be so big and scary? Big and, well, that, and you've kind of hit it. Change is hard because... We're, we're built to live in habit. It's called homeostasis, right? We have a habitual way of living and being in the world, and it reinforces itself, and it just kind of keeps going, and that's an easy place. And so to break out of that requires kind of a punch of effort and energy to make that shift and requires physical, mental, um, just a lot of... Um, energy to shift that pattern to make a new one. And so to make that new one takes some time to make that new place to be the new habit and the new homeostasis. And also, you the other point that you made just even in your question was that it can be scary. And that's just the fact that it's unknown and that we don't know or we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know if we're going to be able to do it. We, we you know, we, um, we're afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of not succeeding. And that's why I think the small steps is the real key to achieving a goal. Dr. Joanne Unger is a registered clinical psychologist. She is with Clinic Psychology Manitoba, the website Clinic Psychology. Hang on, I wrote it down here somewhere. ClinicPsychology.com. I got too many things in front of me here. <laughs> and uh, one thing I need to change is my organization skills. Dr. Unger, thank you so much for joining us today You're on welcome. 680 CJOB. A few weeks ago, we had our sommelier friend on from 529 Wellington, and we were asking him, if you're going to a holiday party of some sort and you want to bring a bottle of wine, but you don't know what kind of wine you should bring, he said, bubbles. You can never go wrong with bubbles. Well, 
to talk about bubbles, we have with us a product ambassador for Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Aaron Alblas, his name. We spoke with him a few months back on craft beer, I think, wasn't it, Aaron? Sure was, yeah, good morning. And hello there, good morning. Today we're going to talk about bubbles and champagne and sparkling wine. A lot of people are going to be cracking, uh, some popping some bubbly on New Year's Eve, I'm sure. So, first of all, champagne versus sparkling wine. What's uh, what's the difference? Is is all champagne sparkling wine? Yes, okay. but not all sparkling wine is champagne. How does that work? So perhaps we'll start first with how they're similar, and okay. it, it seems uh, pretty obvious, but they both have bubbles in them. Okay. But one of the main differences is how they obtain that carbonation. So champagne is actually a protected term for sparkling wine from the Champagne region in France that is also made using specific grape varieties, methods and traditions uh, to obtain you know, the style of wine and the flavor. So champagne gets its carbonation and, and it's, it's quite a vigorous carbonation. There's 250 million bubbles inside a bottle of champagne approximately. And it achieves this through a secondary fermentation that happens inside the bottle oh. once it's finally sealed. And what happens in fermentation, we know we get alcohol but it's a conversion of sugar into carbon dioxide as well. And that's how you get that vigorous bubble. Now, sparkling wine can be made in the same way using what's known as the champagne method or traditional method outside of France, but they can't use the term champagne. So it's a protected term uh, specifying the region, but also some methods. A great example is in, in Ontario, in Canada, right? Oh, Canada, we're very proud. We actually make very, very good high quality sparkling wine. And you can find Canadian sparkling wines um, made in the champagne method at your local liquor mart, as well as your specialty wine stores as well. Okay. And what about, do you guys still have classes? Because I know that I remember uh, the liquor mart just over here at Madison Square, which is under renovation. There used to be a classroom in the back and there'd always be people in there doing stu- doing something. Do you still have classes for that kind of thing? Yeah, we still run public seminars on a variety of, of product knowledge topics. So whether you enjoy craft beer, like we talked about in the summer, uh, champagne, uh, spirits such as whiskey, scotch whiskey is a big one. We have a lot of scotch whiskey courses, gin, rum, tequila, and of course, wine. Uh, because Madison Square is under renovation at the moment, all the classes take place at the Grant Park Liquor Mart. And you can go to www.liquormarts.ca for more information. It'll be pretty blatant. When you go to the homepage, you'll see a learning tab. You can click there, and it's actually a good time to to view those courses because we have everything up for winter, spring 2018. Okay. Aaron Alblas is our guest. He is a product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor Marts and Liquor and Lotteries. And I understand that champagne was, whoops, we have champagne. Wasn't They weren't trying to make champagne when it happened. No, it's kind of a happy accident. And, and part of why it happened uh, or was discovered was through exploding bottles. Because you can imagine there's a lot of pressure inside the bottle, right, when you're, when you're getting that secondary fermentation. Um, it's actually the same amount of pressure as a city bus tire, so around 100 PSI. And you'll notice champagne bottles are built and, and sealed to withstand that pressure. So when, um, I think it was monks making wine in France, they kind of had everything put away for the winter, right? So the yeast goes to sleep that's active in the bottle of champagne. And then as the temperatures warmed up, the yeast got more active 
and bottles started popping, right? Not popping like we think of in culture today. They actually started exploding. But then people started to think, hey, I kind of like this texture. I kind of like this flavor. And that's also why you see the Champagne region as the most coveted and also the most pricey because they were kind of the first to invent it, if you will. Okay, It's pretty neat. I once recall uh, stumbling upon a sparkling Shiraz in uh, one of your liquor marts. Does that, is that still a thing that exists? I don't think we still carry the sparkling Shiraz. Okay. But you can make sparkling wine out of... Uh, really any grape varietal you so choose to. Um, if you're into sparkling red, because most sparkling wines are light colored. So even if you are using a red grape like Shiraz, you can make a light colored sparkling wine. Champagne uses Pinot Noir, which is a red grape. But if you're into kind of those different kind of funky sparkling wines made from different grape varietals, uh, we carry a sparkling Malbec, Ooh. which is an Argentina, Argentinian variety that is normally known for being big, rich, and red. So to enjoy it in a sparkling format is definitely different. And what I would suggest is is talk to the experts at your local liquor mart or your specialty wine store, your sommeliers, if you will, and see kind of what they have uh, on the shelf that is maybe perhaps untraditional. Aaron Alblas is our guest. He is a product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. We're talking about bubbles, New Year's Eve around the corner, champagne, sparkling wine, and... Aaron, is it a, you know, I think I've seen this in movies and stuff where people use a knife to crack open a bottle of champagne. Is that something that you can actually do? Yeah, it's called, they actually use a saber to open it. A saber, um, that's right. Very, very um, demonstrative, as you, as you could probably imagine. And, and the reason why this works with sparkling wine and champagne is because of that pressure in the bottle we were discussing. So it's, it's actually safe to do um, simply because when... The saber contacts the rim of the opening of the wine bottle. The pressure inside gives way, and the top of it actually shoots off, cork included, and all the pressure inside blows the glass shards away. So, like I say, it's very demonstrative. You do lose a little bit of champagne, but at that point, I think the the show is worth it. Yeah. Have you ever done it? I haven't. I was... I was offered once, um, was a little too chicken. You can actually use any anything that has a solid steel edge. I've seen it done with uh, a tablespoon. I don't recommend doing that. I recommend practicing or getting someone who knows what they're doing to do it. Uh, also a butter knife. Okay. So it, it all has to do with the pressure that's inside. Now, as far, I'd be too scared to, to try it as well, because mostly because I'm clumsy and I'd be scared to drop the bottle. Um, but even still, trying to get a bottle of champagne or sparkling wine open can be kind of a challenge. Uh, what is there a proper way to do it? There's definitely a proper way. I'll just talk more about the safe way. Um, you'll notice a bottle of sparkling wine is very heavy. We talked about the pressure inside and the need to, to prevent bottles from exploding. It also has a cork that's shaped like a mushroom to try and keep that cork in there as well as a cage that keeps it securely on. So what you'll want to do is take the foil off the top. You'll want to loosen the cage, but don't take the cage off yet. And you'll take a tea towel and put it over the cage and cork on the bottle, right? Then what you'll want to do is hold the bottle with both hands, gripping the top of the cork with one and the bottom of the bottle with the other, and you slowly spin the bottle. And the pressure that's inside will allow the cork to pop out the reason you have the tea towel on there is so it doesn't shoot out by accident. Because you can imagine there's a lot of force. Uh, it's a projectile if, if you don't open it properly. Aim it away from window ceilings, people you love. Um, frenemies, uh, we won't go there. <laughs> but uh, there is definitely a safe way. And part of why you do that too is so you don't lose any of you know, the glorious liquid that you've purchased. Yeah. Um, there, are, there is a range of sparkling wines. One thing quickly for New Year's Eve. So if you 
have a little bit of holiday cash left over and you really want to enjoy and, and spoil yourself or your guests on New Year's Eve, you can buy the Real Deal Traditional Champagne, which will run around $75 a bottle and up. There's the, what we talked about, the you know Canadian and, and worldwide Champagne Method products, which you can get around $30. And then there's uh, wine that's carbonated much like pop, just with CO2. And it ranges anywhere from $12 to $20. So there's something for everyone in the sparkling wine category. And in about, we've just got about 60 seconds left here. Uh, but just to bring it back to what our sommelier friend from 5 to 9 Wellington, Christopher Sprague, uh, when he suggested if you don't don't know what to bring, bring bubbles. And uh, you were saying that, uh, in fact, dry sparkling wine is uh, super versatile. Yeah, so dry sparkling wine and off-dry sparkling wine uh, pairs very well with a lot of different types of cuisine. It also appeals to a wide range of both wine lover and non-wine lover's palates or preferences. So if you're not sure what to bring to a New Year's Eve party, I mean, New Year's Eve is always champagne, but um, like Chris was mentioning when he was on your show, you can't really go wrong with sparkling wine if you're looking to pair with food or present a gift. All right, Aaron Alblas is our guest, product ambassador with Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, their website, liquormarts.ca, where you can get all kinds of information. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, at Manitoba Liquor Marts, and on Twitter, at Liquor Marts. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. We've been sort of teasing the holiday dead zone. What exactly is that? Shadow Davis is here to explain. Good morning. Well, here we are in the dead zone between Christmas and New Year's, the holiday hole, as I've heard it called. And this year, it's somewhat longer if you're a parent with younger children or a grandparent who's been tasked with taking care of the kids while mom and dad enjoy a sunny vacation in Mexico. I've got some grandparents living in the apartment above me, and you never hear a peep from them until the grandkids come over for a visit. Then it's bang, crash, blah, yeah. Anyhow... I thought I'd put together some things you can do with the kids depending on their ages between now and January 8th when they finally return to school. First thing, take them to see Star Wars. Never mind the backlash about the movie, it's Star Wars and it's good for the family. However, I implore you, if they aren't old enough to sit still and keep quiet for any longer than 15 minutes, this may not be the way to go. You could get yourself into an ugly scene with a fed up patron sitting in front of you, who's trying to enjoy the movie but tired of having popcorn thrown in his hair while having the back of his seat kicked repeatedly. There is a program called Stars and Strollers through Cineplex you can try out. Just Google Stars and Strollers Winnipeg and check it out. There's free admission for kids under 12 at the zoo from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. until January 7th, although I don't know if anything but the polar bears will actually be out. There are zookeeper talks every morning at 11, horse-drawn wagon rides, a winter hay bale maze, winter craft activities. Again, that's at Assiniboine Park Zoo. What about our buddy Barrett Miller over at Fort White Alive? Well, starting today, it's frosty family fun days this afternoon between 1 and 3. It's Voyager Games and Snow Taffy. Yee! Tomorrow, a big marshmallow roast, and they have jam pail curling and ice fishing coming up. For more information, fortwhite.org. That's F-O-R-T-W-H-Y-T-E dot org. The Red River Mutual Trail opened up just before Christmas. Paul Jordan, CEO of the Forks Renewal Corporation, announced on the 23rd the trail is now open before the holidays for the first time since 2013. As of right now, the trail extends from the Forks West on the Assiniboine to the Osborne Bridge, and you can also head down the other way on the Red if you want to. 
Having skated that trail all the way from Hugo Station to the Forks and back, I can tell you the views are majestic. It's a whole other way to see the city you thought you'd seen a million times. So this all sounds pretty fun, right? Well, there is one problem. That polar vortex that hit us a few days ago appears to like it here <laughs> and won't be going anywhere soon. We could start warming up by the 5th or 6th, but they always put the warmer temps at the very end of the long-term forecast, kind of like a frozen carrot on a stick to give us something, anything to look forward to. But in the meantime, the extreme cold warning remains in place. My dad used to kick us out anyhow, saying it was, it was good for us, as I recall, but that was 1975. Things have changed a bit. He'd probably be arrested today, now that I think of it. So pack up the kids and have a good time for about 15 minutes when they start screaming that it's too cold outside and can we go home yet? Back to Brett McGarry. Thank you very much, Shadow Davis. Yeah, it is It is cold. Uh, Scott sent me a text here at 204-780-6868. Sent a screen grab of his phone. He's on AccuWeather in Lac du Bonnie, and he says, I've decided to set a late goal for 2017, and that is simply to make it to 2018. <laughs> Minus 35 degrees when he sent me that at 8.57 a.m. in Lac du Bonnie. That's all the time we have. I am Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, back in 2018 on the Shadow Davis Show. Behind the Glass Jerry. Filling in on three things today with Shanalee Vidal. She's back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to 680 CJOB. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.